The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the third chapter. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first trying up, tying up the strong man, that indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against them, the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they have said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, tomorrow is the beginning of Vacation Bible School when we heard the theme, Shipwrecked, about a year ago. There were a number of us on staff that we just assumed that meant involving pirates. There is no pirate theme to Shipwrecked, all right? But just in case you're wondering, my pirate name is Lazy Eye Gus. (laughs) Seriously, it was a pirate name generator. I digress. (laughs) So for the last couple weeks, we have been hearing readings from the Gospel of Mark. And for the next seven weeks, we will continue to hear readings from Mark's Gospel. A couple things about the Gospel of Mark. First, it is the oldest of the four Gospels. It was the first one that was written. It is also the shortest one in length at only 16 chapters often making it referred to as the Reader's Digest version of Jesus' ministry. There's no birth narrative. In fact, the gospel starts out right away with John the baptizer announcing the coming of Jesus, that Jesus will come and not baptize with water, but with the Spirit. And we head right in to Jesus' work, into Jesus' ministry. In fact, right away, Jesus goes out, and he calls his disciples. He gets all the disciples in order, and then he goes and he casts out demons in the synagogue, he heals a paralytic, and he does really good works on the Sabbath. He does some really good things on the Sabbath, including healing a man's withered hand. That was last weekend's reading. So you can imagine if you're Jesus and you are casting out demons, 
and you are healing those who are sick and those who are ill, that word is going to travel very quickly. That people are going to start to hear about this man, Jesus, and the, and the miracles that he is performing. And sure enough, that's what happens. Look out. Suddenly, crowds from all over want to get an eye on Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to hear him. They want to touch him. They want to be around him. So Jesus is having difficulty getting some time alone, getting time away from the crowds. And so today, we heard just a few moments ago, Tom read our reading from Mark. And here we come into contact with a very controversy that is brewing in Capernaum. Capernaum is now referred to as Jesus' home, his home base. And he is in the house wanting to have a meal with his disciples, right? He wants to get away from the crowds, go into his home, away from all the chaos, and simply have a meal with his disciples. But it's not quite as simple or easy as that. In fact, his family now arrives because his family has been hearing through the grapevine that Jesus and everything that he is doing with all the healing and all of the casting out of demons, that he must himself be possessed by a demon. They think he has lost his mind. Well, the scribes are also outside. The scribes are experts in the law, and they too have been hearing about what Jesus is doing. And by the way, what Jesus is doing falls in line with conducting magic. And that is punishable by death. And so, they have now said that Jesus himself is possessed by a demon, and therefore, he shall be killed. So you can imagine right now, Jesus inside the house with his disciples, outside the door, his family, who thinks he has totally lost his mind. And then there are the scribes there as well. I would venture to guess that right in that moment, there's some pretty significant tension between Jesus and his family. Think that's fair? I don't know if Jesus would go as far to say as that his family puts the fun in dysfunction, but you can tell there is a sense of tension that is brewing, that perhaps there are some challenges within the family unit itself, that there may even be brokenness that is coming out of that. Now, I would guess that most, if not all of us, can relate, right? We can relate, perhaps, to what it's like to be in tension, to be in challenging relationships within our own families. Perhaps there are struggles that you yourself have endured. Well, Jesus can relate to that as well. So often, when we are faced in a divided house, if you will, the challenge is, or the, the response is often to maintain the status quo, that we just don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to change the behaviors that are at hand out of fear that we may end up hurting someone or offending someone even when knowing if we change to healthier behaviors, that that could, in essence, change the health of our family, change the health of us as individuals, and bring about joy and happiness. 
So, quite often, we just don't want to rock the boat. But Jesus had no trouble doing that. In fact, Jesus rocks the boat, and he rocks it really, really well. In fact, he brings about radical change. And he shares this message about how a divided house cannot stand. And think about what that looks like, not only in your immediate families, but in this community of faith. And the importance of living with one another in a broad diversity, but living in, with all of our differences, living in community. A community that speaks the truth in love. So in that moment, Jesus does something. He redefines the definition of family. It is no longer simply those who are related by blood, but Jesus says, anyone who does the will of God is my brother, is my sister, is my mother. In other words, Jesus was speaking not only about those around him at the time, but about you and me. He was speaking about us as brothers and sisters in Christ and living in community with one another, in healthy community with one another. Henry Nouwen, in his book, The Wounded Healer, writes this, that a Christian community is a healing community not because wounds and pains are alleviated, but because wounds and pains become openings or occasions for new vision. Christian community is a healing community, not because our pain and our wounds disappear, that they're gone. We know that's not the case. But out of those in community with one another come new opportunities, new beginnings, new life, new vision. So we come here to this place week in and week out broken, And sometimes we may feel more broken some weeks than other weeks. That the burdens and wounds that we are carrying on our shoulders or in our hearts may feel like they are weighing us down immensely. We come with all sorts of things that are a part of life. And we come into this place and we hear this message of hope, of love, and grace A message that says, you are my child. You are my beloved. In all of this, what is at stake? When Jesus refers to you as brothers and sisters, and not just his blood family, what is at stake in all of this is the very breadth and depth of God's love and grace for each and every one of us. So during the past week, as I was thinking about this text, as I was doing other things, right, stuff around the house, washing dishes, mowing the lawn, doing some woodworking projects, getting the kids to and from wherever they need to go, I started to think about this text, and these words came to mind. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. This is my body, broken for you. 
through Christ's brokenness, you and I are made whole. Through Christ's brokenness, you and I are claimed by God. You and I are loved by God. And you and I are forgiven by God. Perhaps Jesus did lose his mind a little bit because the message that he was preaching was indeed radical. It was life-changing, and it was life-saving. And so we cling then to that message, brothers and sisters in Christ, that message of God's love and saving grace that comes to you and me through Christ our Lord, but then goes out into the world through each and every one of us, brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen.